When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to a special edition of Out of the Box Office. It is a full episode of Movie Talk. We've got guests coming up to break down National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. But right now in studio, it's me, Gray Robertson, Tom Canterbury. Tom, when you came by today, you said that you were done with the Christmas shopping. Yes, finally. How does that feel? Feels pretty good. The problem is they're not wrapped yet. Yes. Uh, so the entire the entirety of the Christmas gift giving portion hasn't begun yet because they're not they're not wrapped. But at least I have everything in my possession. Is that tonight? <clears throat> Probably so. Be, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's going to happen this evening. Godspeed. Yeah. Partner. I can't think of a thing that I do on a semi regular basis that I'm worse at than wrapping presents. My batting average for present wrapping is like a solid 110. <laughs> but dang, that one hit feels good. Oh, yeah. Way below the Mendoza line. Yeah, I am not a starter for Alabama <laughs> head coach Patrick Murphy. What an episode this will be. Again, coming up a little bit later, if you're looking for Christmas vacation, you can go right there. I won't be offended. Mm-hmm. It's a Ooh, wonderful conversation with Emily P. Tech Clifford and special guest McKinley Crone about a movie that we both love, Tom. When we talk about what Christmas movie you have to watch every year. This one is at the top of the list. Yeah. And we break it all down mm. in every way. Ways you probably had never considered when watching Christmas Vacation before. Mm-mm-mm. We probably bring up. Oh man, the details. But here in the first part, we're going to talk about movies in 2022. A very good movie year. Tom, I'll get to like your personal favorite a little bit later because I know you didn't see a ton, but you saw some stuff. Yeah. When you watch a movie, what makes you leave and say, dang, that was great? Uh, well, I mean, you need to have good acting, a good story. Because um, I think there are sometimes where movies, especially a lot of the ones that I go see in the theater, because I don't go very often, but when I do, it's usually the one that, that it wants to be because it has to be the movie theater experience. Yeah. And it, you know, whether it be uh, because of the special effects or things that are going on in the movie. Uh, and sometimes those type of movies they're all about the special effects and not enough about the story itself or the acting uh so that that could come up later yeah so you gotta you gotta find that happy medium in those big blockbusters i i think that it's when a movie takes you out of the fact that you're in a theater you know it's when to me i get so engaged in the story i get pulled in i get roped in no matter who all's in the audience whether i'm sitting alone which Again, I saw some of these movies I'm about to read out alone um, in the <laughs> afternoons and a Tuesday and whatnot, right. or whether I'm surrounded by a raucous crowd like I was for Black Panther Wakanda Forever, which is not on my list, but we can talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, if the movie can pull you in, 
that is kind of half the battle. And then what it does with you when you're in there is what can determine whether it's great or not in my yeah. eyes. Ah, yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. Yeah. This, so we're going to really do like a deep dive into my top five of 2022, but one, one thing I noticed as we're going, as we've done like out of the box office, I apparently stopped watching movies around the turn of the century because almost all of the ones that we talked about, like when we did our top five, what were we, like, those were all like in the nineties or <laughs> the eighties. So, uh, I may, I may not be the best person to break down current movies. That's okay. That's yes. the beauty of it. I like to hear your opinion too, because okay. you don't, you haven't seen some of these right? Okay. and you can ask me questions that I hopefully can answer. That's okay. We'll dive into the top five. I kind of cheated a little bit. There's a tie for fifth. I did that last week. Yeah. So yeah, I'm with you. I'll read the rest of the top 10 too. Okay. These are my, my favorite films of 2022. Not necessarily ranked in order of the best. I, that would probably change around a little bit. Uh, yeah. I've kind of, you know, like college football playoff committee members look at it, whether it's most deserving or the best actual season. best, right. yeah. you know, right. that's kind of how I created this list. Gotcha. Okay. Number 10 for me is The Batman. The Batman. The yes. Batman. Which I have seen. You have seen. What did yes. you think of it? I thought it was pretty good. I like the Christopher Nolan Bat- uh, Batmans better. Yeah. Uh, so, but had I not seen those other Batman movies, I probably, but it, it was, it was good. I don't think, and it's difficult because, because Batman, the character itself is kind of an anti-hero. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was kind of hard for me to, he has a stream that as yes. he gets older, but never wiser. Right. Yeah. Taylor Swift reference. Exactly. Yes. I wasn't sure who I was supposed to be rooting for in the movie. Interesting. That's fair. I, so. I think that what really stuck out to me, one of the big things I look for is like tone and mood. And when you, when you make this movie with a certain mood and a certain tone, can you keep it? And there is a, like canonical mood and tone with Batman. Sure. And this was as close to nailing it from start to finish in a movie that I've seen. Uh, I think The Dark Knight is better. I think Batman Begins is better. But I thought that for what it was, the Batman was really incredible. And I'm, you know, we're both Marvel guys. I'm not a huge DC guy. Yeah. I'm not anti-DC, but yeah. I'm more Marvel. I'm not um, rushing to see yeah. you know, The Flash when it comes out. The thing that makes Batman, I think, is the villains. Mm. Um, and I I wasn't like that blown away with the villain in this movie. Okay, that's fair. I did, but I, I, I was intrigued by the one scene at the end that in, in Arkham talking about. Mm. Yeah, yes. I, mm. I, I don't know how much spoiling we want to do. Oh, I'm going to try not to spoil anything. Okay. Well, but there you go. But we'll I was, there's a cool scene at the end. There is a cool scene at the end. <laughs> yes. Number nine is Nope. Ah, I have seen Nope. Yes. What a heck of a theater experience. And of all the movies I'm about to read, the only one I've seen twice is Nope. Oh, okay. Great performance from Kiki Palmer. I think that this is Jordan Peele's best movie. Really? I, yes, I do. I thought Get Out was really good. I really liked Us. I, I think that this one, though, has sat with me a little bit more than those two did because of how many things he's trying here, because of the visuals, which are just incredible. Yeah. And I think that his future is so bright. I mean, we've known that for years, but I, I cannot wait to see what happens next with wow. Jordan Peele. Yeah. I, I loved Nope. I, I, I really enjoyed Nope. I don't think, I think I'd still put us ahead of it. Okay. Uh, as far as uh, Jordan Peele movies, but... Uh, I thought it was really good. I'm kind of surprised now that it's on Peacock how much of the movie they're spoiling in the previews. I agree. Because 
That's one of the better reveals. Right, yeah. Uh, so if you want to see what Nope is, you can see it in the previews on, <laughs> on Peacock. So I don't, that's, I don't understand that. But uh, that, the way they tied in uh, with the, the monkey. Gordy. Yeah, Gordy. I thought was really good. You know, I, I, I enjoyed it a lot. I thought it was really good. Yeah. More people should be talking about Nope. It's such a really freaking good movie. Right, yeah. Yeah. Number eight. Tom, have you heard of Avatar The Way of Water? <laughs> yes, I have heard of it. Our buddy James Cameron at it again. Yes. With the aquatics. Man, speaking, uh, well, and that's kind of what I was talking about. Yeah. You know, is the story good enough to kind of go along with Wow, that's a really cool looking water visual we got going on. Are you asking me? Yes, because I don't know. I would say that in parts, yes, and in parts, no. Because I, I am not the biggest Avatar. I don't know if I've ever watched the original Avatar all the way through. I think like, it's okay. Yeah. Like, um, Story-wise. Yeah. I was 12 when it came out in theaters, mm-hmm. so I you know, wasn't really the uh, The Pandora adventures and stuff that they have at Disney World are great mm. <laughs> but i don't think i've watched the movie all the way through it just didn't I, and I think i've tried and it just wasn't really good yeah i think well that kind of goes to my next point if you're going to see avatar way of water i do think you need to see it in the theater okay. i yeah. i just don't think it would play well i've re-watched avatar a little bit here and i like my setup it's how i watch a lot of movies it's it doesn't it's not right yeah because the movie was made to be seen on a big screen. That's why they re-released the original Avatar before Way of Water to get people that chance. I have seen the preview for Avatar Way of Water in both 3D and regular because one of the other movies I have seen this year was Jurassic World. Mm. And we saw on the list. We saw that in IMAX 3D. We went full on. We're seeing these dinosaurs like they're about to eat us. (laughs) And they did an Avatar preview and it was in 3D before the movie. And then when we went and saw Wakanda Forever, it was not in 3D, and we saw the same preview. But it, so even in that, there's a you can tell a difference. Yeah. Uh, so versus like the previews that are on ESPN, right? You know, it's yeah. it's just not the same. Especially mm-hmm. like I remember I went to go see the movie. I got back here, and I walked in, and they were Sports Center was on, and they were sponsored yeah. by Avatar, blah blah blah, and they were showing it. I was like, God, this looks like crap on my TV. <laughs> You, you went to see it five hours later. Yes. You came home. It is long. It is long. <laughs> I won't lie. But there is some, like, James Cameron, like, spectacle stuff that mm. only he knows how to do. I, I texted you that there was, I saw it was uh, described as Free Willy meets uh, Dances with Wolves in space. Yeah. And you were kind of, yeah? I was like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can't, like poke holes in it <laughs> avatar way of water is number eight okay number seven by the way if you spent like as much money as they spent for avatar oh, way Lord. of water you want to be higher than eighth on a list i'm just gonna say that i would agree with that yeah that's fair and yeah. that this is you know i haven't seen very many people put avatar way of water as their number one film mm-hmm. of the year which yeah. which the, fir- the first one won all the awards it did so it was everywhere yeah everywhere number seven the Banshees of Venice Sharon. There's no way you've heard of this. No, it's on HBO Max right now. Colin Farrell, who does play the Penguin in The Batman, oh, okay. in his other performance of the year, along with a movie called After Yang, which I have not seen, but I've heard great things about. This movie is about a friendship that suddenly ends and one of the characters trying to figure out why. And it's really funny. It takes place in Ireland. 
on an island just off the coast of Ireland during, I believe, the Revolution or Civil War. It's in the 1940s. And it, it's a great script, uh, great performances by Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson. And it's like a crisp hour, 40 minutes. I, I recommend it highly. And this was in the top five until last night. Really good. Say the name again. The Banshees of Inisherin. Okay. All right. Also, the uh, intriguing. Yes. Not, you know. Okay. One of my favorite things in movies is when they say the title in the movie, <laughs> and the <laughs> reveal of the Banshees of Inisherin title is pretty good. Okay. So. All right. All right. The top five. This is where we actually talk about it. This is a movie I really think you should see. Tied for fifth, the menu. Have you seen the commercials for the menu? Uh, They're the yes chef ones yes 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 okay okay this movie i'm going to read the log lines the film focuses on a group of diners at an exclusive restaurant who discover the celebrity chef owner intends to do harm before the night is out this movie is really funny really dark occasionally thriller-esque and kind of scary it's got ray fines at his most unhinged okay. and if I had a quarter for every time somebody says it's on the menu, I would be able to produce the next Avatar film. <laughs> Anya Taylor-Joy is great. Hong Chow is like just a riot. Janet McTeer as the food critic, freaking hilarious. And then you watch it and you see all these people that you know, you're like, oh, that's the guy from the Sonic commercial. Oh, that's the best friend from Young and Hungry. Oh, that's this person. It's it's hilarious. Oh, okay. It's a uh, satire about wealth and class, and I, I think it does an okay job with that. It tries to tackle an idea, though, about what has been labeled as fanboy culture and what the idea of that does to art and to creators and, and what they are creating. And that, to me, is a very compelling idea that leads to a very awesome, fun resolution it's a riot. The menu is awesome. Okay. So T5, the menu. I am intrigued. We'll see. We'll see if it makes it on the list of things Tom will watch. It's not out yet on VOD. It's still in theaters. Okay. So I went eight o'clock. Nobody was there. It was a Monday. It was awesome. Also <laughs> T5, everything, Bye. everywhere, all at once. Have you heard about everything, everywhere, all at once? No. I think we've talked about it. Okay. There was a time where I thought we might go see this at the FGCL because it was out in theaters then, but there is literally no time to do anything no. besides softball at the FGCL. Right, yes. <laughs> Unless it happens to be raining one day. Yes, that's and then, true. And then you're like, wow, I don't have to do softball. I will sleep now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Daniel Kwan and Daniel Scheinert, they go by the Daniels. The plot centers on a Chinese-American immigrant who, while being audited by the IRS, discovers that she must connect with parallel universe versions of herself to prevent a powerful being from destroying the multiverse. Oh, wow. Yes. It takes a turn. If you don't know anything about it going in, Michelle Yeoh, lead character, um, she is able to utilize everything she's ever done. Comic timing, drama, some fun kung fu scenes that she's famous for from Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Stephanie Su, who I've literally never seen before, is incredible. Ke Hui Kwan as the husband epic performance because he has to play multiple versions of himself oh, yeah, yeah. and then jamie lee curtis oh. is just doing the most and it is an a plus jamie lee curtis performance huh. i think what i love about it is if you sit there and think 
and you're like, well, how does, what is this plot? How do I make sense of this? You're not going to enjoy it. If you just sit there and let it take you. Yeah. yeah, And and it kind of forces you to do that because it throws so much at you visually and there are hilarious references and perhaps some dirty stuff. That's really funny. By the time you just submit, you'll be sitting there and you will be hit by some of the emotionally affecting stuff in the latter third. And then you'll realize, oh my gosh, wow, it got me. I I thought it was brilliant. It's on Amazon Prime right now. Number four, After Sun, written and directed by Charlotte Wells. It's her directorial debut. This is a very small movie that I don't even think it came out in the state of Alabama because we don't have any theaters big enough for After Sun. Yes. A period film set in the late 1990s following Sophie, an 11-year-old Scottish girl, on a vacation with her father at a Turkish resort on the eve of his 31st birthday. Paul Mescal as the father, Frankie Corio as the daughter. It's on Amazon Prime. What makes it kind of miraculous is the fact that it reveals a lot about the characters without actually revealing anything. You know that something has happened. You don't know what it was or why it was. And then by the time the movie ends, you have your answer. And I'm not going to lie. I cried like four times. It kind of broke me. It was pretty dang good. After Sun. I don't think that's up your alley. I was going to say, I would probably not be seeing this movie. But it it is a very fascinating portrait of the child seeing her parents and the viewer seeing that same parent through the child's eyes and how you might sense that something's wrong but because you're the child it's very hard to actually figure it out and the parent never tells you and it's it's really beautiful so after son okay is my number four my number three tom have you heard of a movie called top gun maverick (laughs) somehow i have not seen it but yes what are we doing i don't know it came out on paramount plus paramount plus literally today what did you have women's basketball or something yes oh man me and dozens of my friends were at the comic coliseum (laughs) earlier today joseph kaczynski the director i'll just read the log line if you don't know what this is come on In the film, Maverick confronts his past while training a group of younger Top Gun graduates, including the son of his deceased best friend, for a dangerous mission. Hmm. Tom Cruise, Val Kilmer, Miles Teller, an electric and beautiful Jennifer Connelly, John Hamm, Glenn Powell, Ed Harris. The cast is incredible. This is just one of those movies that is freaking sweet. And it it builds upon everything that the OG Top Gun does. And makes it better. And some of the stuff that doesn't work in the Top Gun from the eighties, right? It works in this one. It's it's really miraculous. And one of those movies that when you go see it in a theater, you're like, shoot, this is why movies are great. (laughs) Yes, I will be seeing it. I know you will. Yes. If you haven't seen it by softball season, we're going to Michelle Smith's projector room and watching (laughs) Top Gun Maverick. (laughs) No, I I will watch it before the the year is up. Okay, I appreciate that. Thank you, Tom. You're welcome. Your service is really, really taken into account. It's noted, right. Thank you. Number two is a movie called Tar. This is probably the best film I saw in terms of how well it's made. Written and directed by Todd Field, who hadn't made a movie since 2006. Wow. I guess he's been writing Tar. The film follows the rise and fall of a renowned musical composer and conductor. Kate Blanchett plays Lydia Tar, the titular character. Lydia Tar is not a real person. I had people who saw this movie text me and say, why can't I find Lydia Tarr? I'm Googling it. This isn't, it's because of how she is written and how she is portrayed by Kate Blanchett. It is a story of hubris, greed, duplicity, fame, 
there's lust in the air and not the lust you're thinking of it's lust for power Mm -hmm. and it's really fascinating to watch how this character is built up and then is torn down and there are some really cool movie making tricks there's a oneer in a classroom at a university that is one of those sit up and watch because you can't look away scenes it's it's a it's a story that is not necessarily original but the way it's being told is original and i really appreciate that and Kate blanchett's probably gonna win best actress and she should okay damn good all right tar Hmm. number one it's called the fablemans tom have you heard of a guy named steven spielberg yes i have heard of yes i've heard of mr spielberg okay yes uh this is the story of steven spielberg directed by steven spielberg about a guy named Sammy, who is in fact Steven Steven Spielberg. Spielberg. Yes, it is about how Spielberg grew up. It is an interesting portrait of a family, especially when you know that it's an autobiographical tale, Mm -hmm. because how some people are portrayed, you're like, oh, wow, okay. Steve's got some things to say about mom and dad. A semi-autobiographical story loosely based on Spielberg's adolescence and first years as a filmmaker, told through the fictional Sammy Fableman, a young aspiring filmmaker himself, Gabriel LaBelle plays Sammy. It's incredible. Michelle Williams is the mom. Paul Dano is the dad. Seth Rogen is in this. Not sure you need to be, but he is. Judd Hirsch, Julia Butters, the child from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, who has like two minutes chatting with Leo DiCaprio and gave one of the performances of the year. Hmm. It's an interesting movie because, Tom, you haven't seen any of the trailers for it. I, no, I have not. Okay, so they've popped up some, and I've had people I've talked to been like, is it just like a family movie like what's happening here and it kind of tricks you into thinking it's that based on the marketing based on the first 20 minutes Mm -hmm. and then there's a little scene that happens where you're like hmm something's not right here and it turns into this really dark isn't the right word but introspective look at family life and why people make certain decisions in a family that they do and how the children respond to those decisions that are made by the parents and also it's about you know following your dreams even though people necessarily don't believe you and it's heartbreaking it's hopeful it's real it's funny uh it's got a little teen drama in there at times which is fascinating and it was a movie that based on not that we ever try to get too personal on this pod but where i was at that moment at that night where i saw it i felt like the fablemans was talking to me and it was it like took me away yeah i was blown away spielberg has done it again Hmm. he's probably gonna win best picture for it is there a giant shark in it there's not but it's really interesting (laughs) that in some of the filmmaking scenes where sammy's like making home videos and stuff for his boy scout troop he does some stuff and you're like oh yeah that's like spielberg flexing mm-hmm. he's like yeah i did this when i was 15 i used dirt kicked up by sticks to simulate dust on a war battlefield and right it, you know it's huh. it's fascinating it is also not quite the egotistical semi-autobiographical movie that some directors have made because of the kind of searing glance that it makes towards the parents but it's also pretty empathetic towards both sides mm-hmm. which is fascinating i thought it was incredible so the fablemans is my number one movie of the year hmm. okay it's still in theaters i believe it's on amazon prime for like early access or whatever it's called and yeah that's my top 10. all right one that was not on the list i did want to give you a chance to talk about 
Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, just yes. missed out. I was going to say, I noticed Black Panther, Wakanda Forever were not there. Yeah, uh, it got booted at the last minute. Mm-hmm. I, I, I liked it. Not my favorite Marvel movie. <clears throat> it's similar to uh, Thor Love and Thunder. Mm. So, you know, that I enjoyed it. Not my favorite. I understand where it needed to happen to further along the, the story in the universe. Obviously, Black Panther is that they, they this was not the original story, right? Uh, you know, they're having to deal. I thought they did a really good job of dealing with Chadwick Boseman's death yeah. and T'Challa's death. I thought that that was what worked best, <laughs> yeah, like by far. Waterworks just flowing in the beginning and the end of that movie, yeah, when they're when they're, when they're discussing that uh, and dealing with that. Um, yeah, the story itself, yeah, it's, it's okay, it's fine, yeah, I mean. It just felt like it was doing a lot. Yeah. Like us doing the most. <laughs> doing the most. Uh, and I'm interested to see how much uh, Namor is utilized moving forward. I thought they did they did a lot with it, but at the same time, didn't. If that, I agree. If that, if no, that I'm with sense. you. I thought yeah. that uh, the final battle, which that's not a spoiler because it's a Marvel movie. There's, of course, there's, there's a final battle. Yes. There's one that's awesome and like a top five thing Marvel might have ever done. And it's not the big one. There are two happening simultaneously. The smaller one, I think, is incredible. Yeah. The bigger one, it's like subpar even for Marvel. But mm-hmm. I thought like the quieter stuff, the grief stuff, I thought the character work, mm-hmm. like the writing is really good. And yeah. Angela Bassett's probably going to be nominated and might win an Oscar for this. And I think it would make a ton of sense because yeah. she's incredible. And I'm surprised she's... So I don't think she's ever been nominated before. It, I don't think she's been nominated in 20 years. I think there was one in like early 90s where yeah. she's never won. Yeah. So that's, I thought, her, yeah, her performance was probably the highlight yeah. acting wise of the movie. Yeah. Um, I don't know what the next Black Panther movie is going to look like. I'm curious. Yeah. Do we move forward with Black Panther as how the it person is? It yeah. is. Right, right. There right. are other options presented yeah. throughout the movie. There is one more Marvel movie coming up while we're in Clearwater, by the way. Uh-huh. Ant-Man Quantumania. Yes. Should we risk it or will there be a hurricane if we go? We'll have to check the weather. Okay. That's for sure. <laughs> because I, with it being Quantumania, I'm worried about what would happen. <laughs> like, like where, What dimension are we going to if something crazy happens? Some of the, the crazy, insane film people that I follow are saying that insiders have referenced this as the best script Marvel's ever created wow so i read that and i was like oh okay so i'm in like this is going to be good and it might be and also also interested to see you know because they've done in this phase which ironically i think we'll talk with mckinley crone and other people about as we move forward who knows but in this phase you know they're doing more series than they have before how much of those series are going to tie in in these new movies right and how many, you know, in Black Panther Wakanda Forever, we met a character who's getting her own series very soon. In fact, I think there are like three possible Disney Plus series that are coming out of some of the characters that we saw in Wakanda Forever. Right. So we'll see how it all plays out. Yeah. That's the year in film. Anything you'd yeah. like to say to close? Uh, we didn't get eaten by dinosaurs the other time. Like, very good. I, yeah. I'm trying to think of like movies I saw in theaters this year. There was Jurassic World. There was... 
Black Panther. I did not uh, hate Jurassic World Dominion like a lot of people did. Yeah. I, I thought it was fine. Yeah, I thought it was okay. I love, I, I get sentimental when I see Sam Neill and Laura Dern and yeah. Dr. Malcolm, the whole gang, like that yeah. did it for me. That's what I needed and I got it. Yeah, the yeah the, the callbacks to the original Jurassic Park, the 1990-ish, yeah. were, were great. So I enjoyed that. I Well, I'll just add on to it. I didn't think that we would see those three people more than like five minutes too. I love right. that this is a spoiler, I guess. They're like co-leads right. they're in a this lot. movie. They're in the movie which a lot. Which is awesome. Yes. They hang out with Chris Pratt the entire movie. Yeah. So, yeah. Good times. I was into it. Yeah. I saw Minions, which was very funny. The Rise of Gru. The Rise of Gru, yes. Oh, man. I think it was about it. It was funny. We went and saw the Minions Rise of Gru shortly after we got back from going to Universal Studios and doing mm. all the Minions stuff there. So that was fun. That's good. Yeah. If you had to pick one from a list that you haven't seen. That I haven't seen? Yes. You can't watch Nope again, Tom. <laughs> a, uh, I, and I, you can't watch Top Gun Maverick. I'm, that's not, that can't okay. be your answer. I was going to say yes. I'm, <laughs> I, I told you. I'm, uh, that Everything Everywhere All at Once seemed very interesting. It's it's really interesting. And there yeah. is some Tom humor in there that I think okay. you would really, really appreciate. <laughs> Good. I'll start writing things on Tom humor. Tom humor. Yes. For... <laughs> Tom's Hungry <laughs> Stars. All right. From talking about the year of film to talking about one specific film, when we come back, it's time to dive into the true form of Out of the Box Office, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation with Emily P. Tech Clifford and McKinley Crone. That's when we return here on the Out of the Box Podcast. <laughs> Yes, welcome back to the Out of the Box Podcast, and it is time to dive into the true Out of the Box Office portion of the show. Gray Robertson, Tom Canterbury, the two jolliest bunch of a-holes this side of a nut house. <laughs> and we are pleased to be joined by two people who are going to elevate the content so much here today. We will start, of course, with the joy correspondent on the Out of the Box podcast. You know her from literally every premiere we have ever done. Emily P. Tech Clifford. P. Tech, how are you? Great. I am going to be a little salty that when you introduce Mac, you don't include some of the same things I happen to do at Alabama as well in the same sport, but she's done it much better, but it's okay. I'm just a joy consultant. That's fine. That's, <laughs> hey, that's a perfect job for you. Yes, Emily did play soccer at Alabama. But our other guest... From this past year's dream team, the squad for Alabama that made it to the College Cup for the first time in school history. You know her as the person dancing around in goal, <laughs> knocking shots off frame. She is the winningest keeper in Alabama history. McKinley Crone is here. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> How are you? We're glad that you're here. I'm happy to be here. Before we get into the movie, we can't have you on and not talk about the soccer run. SEC champs almost got there in the SEC tournament. You had the just fantastic win over Duke to get to the College Cup. When you look back at, at that being the culmination in your college career, what sticks out? What's the main takeaway? That we left the program in a better place. Um, like records are meant to be broken, and we showed that this year. I think the total that we came to was like 37 records that we broke between like school records and NCAA records. So um, 
like after the final four game, we kind of sat down and we're just like going through stuff like, oh, what did we do here? Like, um, I think Ashlyn had most games ever played by a um, college athlete. Like I had most minutes ever played. Riley had most goals by a, a like in a single season, I think. I, 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 the list goes on and on, but it was like, it was just cool to say, yes, I left, we left it in a better place for the next group to come in and continue to break those records and make new names for what the program has for the future. How great was it to finally get the results that you guys had been really working towards? Because, you know, I've been the PA guy for forever there. I've seen all of the West Hearts uh, tenure here. And it was really an overnight eight-year success. It, you, you had, it had been something that had been building for a long time, and you hadn't necessarily seen all the results record-wise that you wanted to see, even though you could see the play had really improved from year to year. How awesome was it this year to finally get those results you were looking for? Yeah, um, I, c- I actually came into the program when a lot of work had already been done since I only transferred in here three years ago. But even in that short amount of time, like there was a lot of work and a lot of sweat and tears and, you know, everything that goes along with it that was put into the program from every single person. I I am just honored to have been a part of it. Like I couldn't imagine have gone going out a better way than what we got to do. So I could (laughs) have next time you could. Yeah, they don't call that goal again. It's Riley off size and it could have been a lot different. Yeah. I mean, obviously, like we wanted to win. Um, but like for just for reference, like at my first school, I we won three games my freshman year, like total. So to have come like that far in, in my personal career, like it, it's really cool, especially to see like I know Kat and Riley, I think they said their freshman year they won two SEC games like their whole season. And like for the program to see the program come from like such drastic ends to go then undefeated in in SEC play, which I, I'm pretty sure only like four teams have done before us. So it, I mean, like it. Yes, I would have loved to have won a national championship, but I, there's just so many things like I'm so grateful to have been able to be a part of. I don't. I don't think like the current team actually knows from our the from the old girls' perspective. Like they lived it, but I think all of us know how hard it is to one win at Alabama, just at Alabama in soccer. And not only that, but like win the SEC. When you think about SEC soccer, you think about Florida as the powerhouse, parental powerhouse, Becky Burley's teams. And then you like Karen Hoppe at Auburn has done such a great job forever. And then Vandy has done well, Arkansas has done well, Tennessee has done well here and there. But it's like they're doing something that none of us could have fathomed and my sister I remember her after you guys beat Clemson or something or maybe it was BYU and she's like wow could they go all the way and I was like no it doesn't happen <laughs> like it does not happen at Alabama so they honestly you you and your teammates revitalize the alumni base um, which is something that has been very hard to do um, and I think Wes is the right guy to just bridge all three coaches together and that in this 10 years and man, you guys, like the old people were like at your games, like from 94 people, they were the, like older than me. Like they were there and like just painted up for your, for your semifinal. Like it was remarkable. And that's what, that's what you do at Alabama. You get champions and 
your group needs to be on Mount Rushmore of the program for sure. Yeah, I can't wait for the football game when you get to get your rings. Oh, yeah. You need to let me know when that is. I'm flying in for that for sure. I don't think there's been a date set, but hey, hey do you do you want me and Brian to host a tailgate for all y'all? Yes. All right, done. <laughs> that was easy. Yeah, so good, Alabama good soccer team. Ooh, ooh. I hope you're listening to the pod. You had the plan. We got gotcha. you. Got it happen. I'll send it in the group me. <laughs> Perfect. I've been I've been the PA guy for the SEC soccer tournament for nine seasons, and most of those seasons. You know, at toward the end of the year, we're we're trying to decide is Alabama going to make the SEC tournament. But now, now you know, now we're to the point of Alabama, you know, winning the SEC, being a national contender, Final Four. Um, just can't say enough about what you and and the uh, your crew has done, and and it's not going to be a flash in the pan like uh, situation. It's going to be a continued success. So uh, we, everyone that's been close to or has been involved with the program. Thanks you and everybody else. Well, and I just want to say real quick, thank you to everybody who has shown any kind of ounce of support this year. Like I remember, well, now my first year here was during COVID. So like, obviously there were limitations on Mm -hmm. what we could do, but even last year compared to this year, the fans in the stands, like there were games where I was like, oh, well, they're my, they're my parents. I see them. Um, This year, there were games where I'm like, I hope my parents are sitting in the same spot because if they're not, there's no way I'm going to find them. Um, And just like the support that we received from, I mean, across the country, like I know there were people like messaging me saying like, hey, we're watching from Pennsylvania or like, hey, I'm watching from California tonight, but like, good luck. Um, You know, we're we're big Bama fans now. Like, it's really cool because like, obviously the the football and baseball and basketball, like the bigger name sports, right. They get the support, but to, to be in a program that like maybe hasn't gotten that support and we almost were like proving ourselves like to the Bama fan base and then to just to receive it. Like it just like, we can't express how thankful we were to every single person who showed any support to us this year. The, the Bama fan base is somewhat spoiled. Uh, and, I, and I say that lovingly, uh, but uh, they will support you if if you're uh, if you're competing. And I, I yeah. was I was really excited to see how much the Bama fans got on board with the soccer team this year. It was really really awesome to watch. And again, congratulations on a great run, a great career. We cannot wait to see what's coming next. We might talk about that a little bit later. <laughs> and as fun as this conversation is, it's not why you're here. You know, we love hearing about soccer. But we want to hear your opinions on a certain movie. And the movie that we have picked for this holiday edition of Out of the Box Office is National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. This was on both of our we would like to do this list. And I was like, oh, then we should just do it. Because right, we, we have the podcast. We, we can do it. Right. We run so the we feed. Are. Yes. So, Crumb, we'll start with you. Why do you love Christmas Vacation? So, maybe it was in high school. My mom was like, let's watch this movie. And I'm like, all right, great. We're watching another one of these. She's like, no, no, no. It's made by Fer- It's made by the same guy as Ferris Bueller. And I was like, oh, I love that movie. Okay, great. So we sit down and watch it. And I'm like, um, this might be the funniest Christmas movie I've ever seen. And I'm like thinking, okay, it's Elf and um, The Grinch and like movies I kind of grew up on. And then there's this. And I was just like, it's so much funnier in every little bit of it like there wasn't little like oh it's funny every once in a while the whole movie is funny 
And that's kind of why it's my favorite. Emily, is this the best Christmas movie? Yes. <laughs> I saw something, I saw something yesterday that kind of, um, it was, uh, you can tell what age demographic you're in by which movie you like the best. And it was a Christmas story, Christmas vacation or elf and um, Christmas vacation and, and elf are like really, really neck and neck. So it's like, like it, Christmas vacation needs to be playing on FX 24 hours. Like a Christmas story does. Um, it's just wonderful because I think it's a microcosm of the, the onion that is Christmas and um, what families go through to like, try to include everybody, try to make it perfect. Parents trying to provide for their children, kids hoping Santa Claus will come hopefully. And then it's always like, what curveball are you going to be thrown this year? And it's just like how a family dynamic deals with it. So I think, I think it actually probably tugs at the heartstrings of a lot of different, a lot of different groups of people for different reasons. I'd agree. I, I feel like it's relatable to everybody in some way because of the vast array of characters that you've got. Some people might even relate to Todd and Margot. I don't know. Tom, I, I know that this is a movie that's very special to you. You do a tweet along quote bonanza yes. on Twitter every year. Why? What What was it about this movie that stayed with you? Well, it was one of those that like, when I was a kid and I'm older than everybody else on this zoom zoom but when i was a kid like we watched it but it didn't really connect a whole lot with me and my parents didn't like didn't really like it so we didn't watch it a whole lot uh but when we first got married or, or first started uh dating and and being together jennifer and i we started a tradition of basically whenever we're decorating for christmas we put on christmas vacation and now we're still doing that um so every year now that that we got Twitter and social media, I just, whenever something strikes me as funny again, I quote along with it while I'm, uh, while we're decorating, putting up the tree. And, you know, it, it kind of, as you're decorating, there are some times where I, you know, really just kind of bond with Clark as he wants to just kick and, and scream and, and knock everything down because things aren't lighting up like they're supposed to. Or uh, I think all of us can kind of, can, can kind of feel what he's feeling at that time. Yeah, Emily, you've been posting in the D1 Fantasy Softball group chat about putting lights up on the house in the future. Are you going to go oh, full Clark? My Rosenberg? house right now is, my yard right now is, I mean, we're baby Clark in it, you know, I'm getting there. <laughs> um, my entire lawn is outlined in lights. I have lights in my front tree, lights in my front bushes. Then we have candy cane lane. We actually have candy canes that light up going to my front stairs. There are wreaths on every window. There are lights on the banister. We have a tree out front that has colored lights with a snowman head on top. And there's like green dot lasers all over the house as well. So next year, I think I want to do something like my entire roof done i want merry christmas written on my lawn because it's on a hill so you'll see it like it'll be great like my power bill is going to be insane but it'll be fine the cost of all those lights might come up later for uh, a certain scene you know my neighbor gave me two tupperware bins like 30 gallon things of lights so it is on his dime so i thank my retiree neighbors who just like i mooch off of them well, unfortunately, Clark did not have the yeah. same kind of neighborly luck. Good, good thing. Yeah. Good thing you turned on the uh, 
nuclear auxiliary powers yes. for everyone. <laughs> yeah. Yes, as as happens every Christmas. Let's get into some of the basic information before we dive into the categories. National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation released December 1st, 1989. That date feels older than the movie feels watching it. Like somehow it, it has stayed pretty relevant. The only thing missing are kind of cell phones, but it, it feels decently current at times. Runtime of 97 minutes directed by Jeremiah S. Chechik, who did nothing for the rest of his career, except direct bad movies and this. And as you mentioned earlier, Mac, it's written by John Hughes, who everybody knows. 16 Candles, Breakfast Club, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, Plane Trains and Automobiles, Vacation, an all-star cast. But it's the John Hughes of it all, Tom, that I think makes this script so compelling because he was putting out like Mac mentioned, like Ferris Bueller, these movies that were relatable to so many people around this time period. Yeah, that's what he was great with it. Relatable, I think, is the, the best word because he was able to do that in the late 80s, early 90s. There are so many type movies that he was involved with, like this one, that people still talk about today. And it's ones that people go back and still watch. They hold up so well. And people that were not even alive when these movies came out can watch them and, and relate to them still. Like early, like I guess throughout the year, I try to watch a lot of movies, especially when I'm home with my family. We we try to watch a movie a night together. So during the summer, we'll do like 16 Candles, Breakfast Club, Ferris Bueller. We own Ferris Bueller. So that's a that's pretty much a constant every year. But then <laughs> during the Christmas season, we try to do one movie a night. So Emily, John Hughes, thoughts? Um. Well, OK, this might be like one of your questions later, but great you know this i didn't watch a lot of movies like there was like i don't know 15 years where i never watched a movie so all of this stuff is like like haven't seen 16 candles haven't seen what the <laughs> Emily. i know it's my fault i've seen ferris bueller haven't seen plane trains and automobiles so i i don't have many thoughts of this man <laughs> okay uh breakfast club is on paramount plus right now because yeah. i saw it yesterday hey. Uh, a movie that we discussed earlier, also on Paramount Plus, um, Top Gun Maverick. Hmm. Box office of $73.3 million off of a budget of $25 million. Tom, as you talked about earlier, when this came out, not super beloved. 49 out of 100 on Metacritic and 70% on Rotten Tomatoes. But like so many of the movies we have done here on Out of the Box Office, it just grew and grew and grew. And now we all have it number one on our Christmas movie power rankings. It's pretty consistently like top three in almost everybody's list. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's one of those things that where like the point I'm going to make later on, even if you don't like Chevy Chase, which I really am not a big Chevy Chase fan. He's fine. Yeah. I mean, he's more annoying in things more often. Uh, but that this, it, it was, this type of movie was so good that even if you don't like Chevy Chase, you will probably like this. Well, this is the third in the Lampoon's right. trilogy, and I've never seen the, the Europe one or the other one. Um, uh, uh, vacation is is okay. European Vacation is not good. Yeah. Uh, Christmas Vacation is pretty good. Vegas Vacation is better than people give it credit for, I think, but it's not great. Tom, the scalding hot takes. <laughs> we haven't even gotten to the awards yet. <laughs> Two more notes I want to make. Chris Columbus was initially supposed to direct the film. A lot of people know him from the Harry Potter movies and a certain movie called Home Alone. He was given that script from John Hughes after he left this film because of a clash with him and Chevy Chase, right. which, uh, which know, a lot I of guess it have. worked out for him. A lot of people have clashes with Chevy Chase. Yes. 
One more thing that I found that fascinates me to no end. Cinemablend.com. Leo DiCaprio was in the running for the role of Rusty, but the casting director, Heidi Levitt, explained that Leo wasn't goofy enough. <laughs> All right, Johnny, you got it. <laughs> wow. So, I, whatever happened to that Leo DiCaprio guy? Did hope, he do I hope, okay? I hope he was able to recover from not being in this movie. <laughs> Man, who, are, who's, who is worth more money, Leo or Johnny Galecki because of Big Bang Theory? Uh, I'm pretty sure it's Leo. Probably Leo. <laughs> but yeah, John, Johnny's done okay for himself too. I'm pretty yeah. good. Everybody's fine. <laughs> do we want to dive into the segments, everybody? Yes. All right. Sure. We're going to start with McKinley Crone. You mentioned a little bit some of your memory lane. Where were you when you first saw this movie? Um, in my house, my parents' house, which I'm currently in. Um, and we were in the living room watching it. Uh, like we've got a kind of a movie set up in our living room. So it was, I, it was my, I think it was my sophomore year of high school. Came to it a little bit later, yeah. but still love it. Mm. You can come to it at any age. Tom. Yeah, that's absolutely. the beauty of it. Yeah. Oh, my daughters love this movie. Yeah. Yeah. But I <laughs> mean, I didn't when I was a kid. Like I said, it wasn't it wasn't one that really connected a whole lot with me. And, and I think a lot of it is because I if you think I don't like Chevy Chase, like my parents really don't like Chevy Chase. <laughs> and I like had to really beg them to be able to watch the movie at one point. So uh, it it wasn't really a a Christmas tradition in the Canterbury house when I was a kid, but now in the current Canterbury house, it has become that way. That way, when you have your own family, you I get to make the rules. can do whatever now. I want. Yes. Emily, <laughs> your memory lane for National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation is? Uh, mine's phenomenal. So it was Brian's favorite movie, and I had never seen it. They call, they call actually call his dad Sparky because they think he's like Clark Griswold. That's what my kids call him as a grandfather, Sparky. Um, so I was like, what is this movie? And obviously, in my hiatus, never saw it. And I went to see it when I was living in Franklin, Tennessee, went to the Franklin Theater and I showed up with actually another soccer alumni, Allison DeLille and her husband who were there and they showed up in full regalia. Um, I can't remember who Allison was dressed as, maybe Aunt Bethany. And then her husband was, I think, uh, I think he was Eddie. And we get there, small theater, kind of like the Alabama theater and everyone is wearing a costume. I was like, wow, this is, this is kind of cool. People were like really into this. I didn't know the movie. So I was like, wow, why is that guy wearing a Blackhawks jersey? And so then we start watching and I'm like, oh, this is cool. And then the first line comes up and someone dressed in the same clothes as the character stood up and said the line. And I was like, oh my gosh, what is this? So it was like way like Rocky Horror Picture and like that whole like experience. Well, guys, so every time like, people in gray or the silver track shoots, they stood up when Todd and Margot came on. And then the best part about it is when Aunt Bethany said grace and it was the Pledge of Allegiance, like Aunt Bethany stood up and she said it. And then the entire auditorium stood up and <laughs> said the Pledge of Allegiance. And I'm sorry, no movie experience, especially when it's your first time, will ever top that it was i tell everyone about i was like it's actually on a bucket list item that you if you like this movie you need to go to the franklin theater and watch it oh wow that does yeah. that sounds awesome why are we not recording this there what have we done 
<laughs> next year for yes. sure next year we done messed up whatever whenever anybody in uh in the family was all right who's gonna say grace almost anybody will say <laughs> grace she died 30 years ago <laughs> yeah, might as well get that out of the way i'm pretty sure all of us probably read that down for quotes for me this was a movie that i just stumbled upon i was at my aunt kathy chambliss's house we would always stop by her place in jackson mississippi on the way to texas to visit mom's parents and kathy my dad's sister and i we were there for dinner and i was just flipping channels i was not intrigued by the motor city bowl i remember i believe it was dan lefevre the quarterback for central michigan was crushing it in that game so i turned it to amc and this movie called christmas vacation was on and i was transfixed mm-hmm. and i was just delighted when the second it ended it started over again and then it did that again that night i watched it two and a half times over this one evening and from then on it, it became like you said, Tom, a yearly tradition. I watch it every chance that I get. I am thrilled that it is on HBO Max. It has also been on Netflix at a time. It's been a little bit everywhere, mm. and it's on TV like clockwork during the Christmas season. There is nothing better. Absolutely. There is nothing better. Moving on to the Rhodes House Award for Best Scene. Which full scene stands out in the movie? Oh, okay. Um, okay, I couldn't decide between two of them. That's okay. All right. I, I have eight so... listed. Go ahead. I'm sure you do. So um, the house light, the, the 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 flipping of the switch, the house lighting, just like the waiting with bated breath before you do it and hope it all goes right. And the disappointment when one strand is off, like this year, when I put up stuff, my girls were helping me and I put up something and then one of everything was lit. Everything was lit. And then one of my daughters kicked something. <laughs> And then everything was unlit. Uh, <laughs> I had to go and find it again. This is after I spent three hours putting it on. So like that was very, very real. And the other part that, that probably takes the cake for me is when Clark gets the Jelly of the Month Club and his absolute meltdown afterwards. Um, I think from a whole scene standpoint, those two are extremely palpable. <laughs> my, my poor kids, I've yelled at them a few times this Christmas already. <laughs> Mac, you are sporting a sweater that does not come from either of those scenes. Is that scene, you know, it's one of my is... two favorites. Okay, go ahead. What you got? So that, that's my probably my favorite, just because it's funny and like we weren't allowed to curse growing up, and that was like, <laughs> but it was a quote, so it was okay. Like you got away with it, and I just thought it was the funniest thing. So I order a, a Halloween and a Christmas like sweater, T-shirt every year. So this one happened to be my Christmas shirt this year. And then when y'all reached out, I was like, oh, how perfect. <laughs> so it's the um the scene where all the like execs are leaving the office and Clark is like shaking, kind of shaking their hands, but they're not really shaking his hand. Um, and he says, Merry Christmas, kiss my ass, kiss his ass, kiss your ass, happy Hanukkah, Merry Kwanzaa. And then <laughs> it's like... To me, it's just so funny because there have been times. It, it honestly reminded me of like shaking hands after a game sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, oh, good game, good game, good game, good game, good game. F you, good game, good game. <laughs> and like, that's what I thought of. And I was like, that is so exactly how I feel sometimes. <laughs> and then we'll the other, other one, one is, um, it's, it's part of the whole like, hanging the lights and all that so my dad does all of our lights here and then my mom does the indoor 
And so, and we do Christmas big in the house. Um, like we've got palm trees wrapped in lights. I mean, it's incredible. <laughs> um, but I'm sure I'll tweet out a photo of it at some point. But uh, I can't remember what's the grandma's name. Anyways, when she starts singing the national anthem, like to me, that is so funny. <laughs> She's like, play ball, play ball, yeah. play ball. Uh, I I did the you know when the lights finally work that scene uh, because it incorporates so many different things. It has because you you have you're you're waiting you're like holding your breath you're hoping it'll work you're you're rooting for them to figure out that you got to flip on the light in the basement for it to for everything to work with all the extension cords you're rooting for it and it finally happens. And then you get Todd and Margo, all the stuff that's going on with them uh, next door. And then you finish it off with the introduction of Cousin Eddie. Yes. Uh, it's just, it, it's a, it, it's really the keystone scene, I think, of the movie that happens pretty much right in the middle. I've got a couple playing chicken with the truck and then under the 18 wheeler and all that. <laughs> I, I, I've got yeah. some notes about that scene that we're going to dive into later, but I feel like that scene is super critical because if you haven't seen the other vacation movies, like I had not at the time, it's a perfect way to introduce you to the characteristics of this entire family. Clark and Ellen up there singing the kids, just so annoyed at what's happening. Everything that everybody says is pitch perfect. Every decision that they make is true to the character for the entire film mm -hmm. and that is a great way to introduce the viewer whether they have experience with the Griswolds or not to what these people will be like for the next 97 minutes sledding this is uh the yes. one bit of like true farce in the movie that really really works for me and I think it's just phenomenal and really hilarious and so stupid but awesome a, um, a couple of my quotes come from that scene. Yes, I've got one from that too that I didn't catch until this rewatch. <laughs> uh, the dinner with Grace and the turkey. That turkey looks so good. It does. Until... Great job <laughs> to the props department. <laughs> Epic work. And then Squirrel. Squirrel! Squirrel! I mean, just hilarious. Hey, hey, shut up! <laughs> um, so good. Uh, basically, we could list like the entire movie, sure, and yeah. Tom might do that later for quotes. Mm -hmm. The Go Award for Best Moment. Which small moment stands out in the movie? What makes the hair raise up on the back of your necks? Tom, go for it. One word. Bingo. Bingo. <laughs> <laughs> the, the sledding scene. Yeah. <laughs> Great stuff. Beautiful. Yes. It's the going drifting left and going under the semi and i was like oh my god because <laughs> now with like kids in my car i'm i'm have crazy driving anxiety but that one is just like clark there's a semi next to you like why are you going there i love clark, his i don't want to end up dead for the holidays <laughs> just like he's not looking at all he just goes with oh, it. it's yeah. incredible feeling it mine's also that going under the car it's so funny <laughs> to me also like I'm from Florida, so we don't really have like just trees being lugged around in the <laughs> middle of the state. So like my when my when we watched it the first time, my parents were like, you know what that is? And I was like, Yeah, I mean they're trees, but we don't that's not a thing down here. So yeah. and that's kind of a theme for a couple of my answers on these throughout the night. So I like that. I've got a couple. Um <laughs> first off. We'll talk about it more during quotes. It's hard to classify it as a scene because it's 20 seconds, but why is the carpet all wet, Todd? I don't know, Margo. Just perfection. 
cinematic perfection put julia louis dreyfus in literally everything always and it will be amazing and she elevates margo in a way that we'll talk about in just a bit and and that can be used in every day anytime the carpet is wet oh yeah I use it all the time yes all the time all the time i have a sweater that says that <laughs> the uh the dog food that breaks the light bulb in the store this yeah. is one of my favorite minor details that i did not notice until recently as Eddie and Clark are going through and Eddie's piling nine bags of dog food on, Clark grabs one light bulb and puts it down. And a second later, <laughs> Eddie slams at least a 70 pound bag of dog food on top of it. And nobody reacts, we it's just like, keep on going. Yep, yep. So good. When the squirrel is found to be on Clark's back and he knocks Nora down onto the couch and she's just <laughs> crawling around. <laughs> Ellen's ham placement during the raid yep. uh, <laughs> yes on the uh you know, on the christmas jewels on, and on uh the, on the crotchal region yes improvised by beverly d'angelo she's so awesome good. she's great she is so good i am considering naming her for something later mm. apparently also she was the chevy chase whisperer on set basically she was the one that got chevy chase to not be such a, a jerk I don't know what she did. Yeah. We need her in our <laughs> negotiations <laughs> governmentally. Uh -huh. Beverly D'Angelo, give her an increased role. And finally, it's the build to saying grace. It is the, you know, they get through the grace. She died 30 years ago. The music swells and then pauses. Everybody bows their heads. There's like two seconds of silence. And then I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States. And everybody is just... Mm, confused yes. and I give Eddie credit. He stood up. He's he like, did. "All right, we're doing the play." You know what? Just like in school. <laughs> Let's move on to the Allison Habits Herman Boone Wes Hart Run Through a Wall Award. What character makes you want to run through a wall for them? Whether because they inspire you, whether you just want to take care of this person. My pick is Aunt Bethany. <laughs> Mac, what you got? So my family does a super big Christmas, like I said. So Clark is very much my favorite character just because like he kind of reminds me of everything that my family is in Christmas and I think it's so funny Ruby Sue we're giving that girl a good Christmas <laughs> hey, Uncle, are you she sure you ain't seen those I might be giving her like a grammar workbook but we're yeah, gonna get her something pretty bad but what would you expect she lives in a at, mobile home at least her eye, eyes aren't crossed anymore. That's true. yeah they're not crossed anymore <laughs> It's underrated. I don't know if it's in anybody's quotes. It's not in mine, but <laughs> shit and bricks. You can't say that. Oh, sorry. Shit and rocks. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know why it's funny. It just Oh, is. it's hilarious. <laughs> I am going to go with Clark Sr. Ooh. I think Clark's dad, he, he, because here's the thing. Ellen's parents are just the worst. They're oh, miserable. Just terrible. Oh my gosh. They're, they're, they're God awful. And by the way, Eddie is also on ellen's side of the family so what is going on on ellen's side of the family i don't know what's happening but clark clark's dad is like he's genuinely trying to you know he's rooting for clark he wants everything to go well the what you know this is a it's a laugh a minute it's a comedy all the way but the um the scene between him and clark during after he does the big blow up about you know are you gonna read uh, the night before Christmas, uh, that's that's a pretty poignant scene. Yeah, uh, and you can kind of see that you know he's 
he, he's kind of the he's trying to bring some sort of civility and hope <laughs> to to the Griswold family as I the like patriarch. That. You know, there was a time in movies where if you wanted somebody to just not be awesome to make them annoying and a bad person, just give them a martini glass, and that is what <laughs> Ellen's mother is mm. rocking throughout the film. I don't know what drink she was having. I'm sure it was straight. <laughs> Gold mines. <laughs> Things about the movie that we love, things that still stick with us to this day, tiny details that we really enjoy. What are your gold mines? Well, mine's honestly, it's just a general feeling of the movie. And it's it makes sense because it's like you always want to be around family at Christmas. And then at some point, inevitably during the holiday, you get annoyed with them. And that's what's family, like you love them through their faults. And at the end of the day, you endure it because that's you need to be around family during the holidays um the search for the perfect christmas tree so like we one we don't use a real tree anymore because they're just so hard to keep up with but um we actually had a cat growing up and so like the combination of like the cat and the tree and just like all of it it's so funny to me. And also that's something my parents would totally make us do would be like, come on, we're going to get a Christmas. Like we're going to go do this together as a family. Mm. And um, I've always cut mine down every year of my life. Seriously? Even now? Let's go look at it. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) I'm sure the listeners of the pod are appreciating this journey (laughs) that you're taking us on. Oh, yeah. Oh, beautiful. Very nice. I know. Look at the stockings hung by the chimney with care. The Leland Cypress. (laughs) <laughs> listeners that is a leland cypress mm, yes. you can google that and figure out what it looks like also like we never get to do that like that's not again not a thing in florida yeah. so unless yeah. you want like a palm tree and it's not do you have a plastic tree or are you team lot lot trees uh the plastic one it's i got one like, of those too i got two of yeah. them do you put like uh the scented christmas tree thing and yeah not in like not in it but we put like uh the cinnamon sticks and then we also put the little like um fur uh glade like scent thingies that go in the wall mm. so <laughs> yeah those are around the house so it smells <laughs> like christmas at least okay yeah, this so makes total go. sense because i know her parents and it's just like really great hearing all of this <laughs> <laughs> And now America is hearing it yes. too. Oh, great. Uh, just the traditions of the movie. Um, you know, what watching it, like I said, we watch it every year when we're decorating. Uh, and it's, it's one, it's a movie that fits in to be able to do that with. Uh, and then all the quotes, and it being such a quotable movie, it's one of those where if you say a quote in, in regular life to somebody and they laugh and they recognize it, oh, you're my friend. We, we we know the same movie. Instant we know connection. Yes. Bing bang bong. I mean, the reason Mac is on the Zoom is because she replied to one of your tweets with a Christmas vacation <laughs> gif. And I was like, oh, oh okay. Yes. She's one of us. She's in. That's great. <laughs> I have a bunch. Okay. So stay tuned. As everyone knows, Gray goes for the most. The runtime, 97 minutes. Right. Perfect. Yeah. You can watch it multiple times in one night and miss nothing. So amazing. Runtime expert the intro it's different from every other vacation movie i think it's really creative it's fun it has aged incredibly well the song is awesome it's the first vacation movie where we don't see holiday road or hear holiday road and i 
don't care. And I'm sure vacation fans of the franchise didn't care either. We don't get Christine Brinkley either. Well, we could have used her, but no, we get Mary though. Instead. That's true. Yeah. So. <laughs> the script from John Hughes, we've already talked about it. Let's have a word about Julia Louis-Dreyfus. What a time in the life of JLD. So SNL from 82 to 85, a sitcom called Day by Day from 88 to 89. The Seinfeld pilot airs on July 5th, 1989. Christmas Vacation launches on December 1st, 1989. And then Seinfeld really gets rolling in 90. Like, just what a way to put yourself on the map as Margot Chester, JLD. Do you think more people know her from Christmas Vacation or Seinfeld? I bet it is closer than people would think. Yeah. It, 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 I bet it's pretty close to 50-50. I think there are people, you know, there are people that obviously love Seinfeld, but there are some, there are some people that have never watched Seinfeld that may not even know Julia Louis-Dreyfus is in it. They know that she's in Christmas Vacation. Yeah, I, I would be very shocked if there are more than 2% of Americans out there who have seen neither Christmas Vacation or Seinfeld. <laughs> right. That's... uh gotta be a small list the demonic doorbell when the grandparents first arrived <laughs> great choice and right i mean we've all felt that like when you've got 90 people coming over and you hear that doorbell and you're like oh my gosh it's happening <laughs> uh, and there and there's that like five minutes of silence before it happens when you're like this is the last peace and quiet we're gonna get for like two weeks yeah yeah <laughs> Something I didn't notice until this rewatch, the commentary from the TV during the parade. The Nutcracker. It's, and you, <laughs> the nuts have flown away. And then oh, something about. They're the nuts. We Rudolph breaking windows. It's incredible. <laughs> so right. good. Beverly D'Angelo's delivery with the dead eyes and all of, we have plenty of room. <laughs> Maybe yeah. the best line delivery in the movie in terms of like actual, like pure acting. Yeah. So good. Randy Quaid. Everything about it, it it's epic. Uh, the Dicky, the Wally World, and Moose Mugs that I have many friends who own those. And finally, the last 35 minutes is like unassailable. I mean, there is there is nothing that you can say to tear down the last 35 minutes. Oh, so good. It's brilliant. Yes. Landmines. Who wants to dive into some of the negatives? Does anyone have any? I, I, I mean, we're going to discuss a few of the questions that we have later on and off the wall. I don't think there's anything in the movie... Uh, that I wish wasn't there. I have something. Okay, all right. Should I go? Got it. I, I'm getting okay. the glare from the ladies. <laughs> I don't like the Clark in the attic scene. I, I, I hate that scene. I'm pissed that he didn't yell. Like, you're in the attic. First of all, yeah, it's stupid. It's a stupid scene. I, I, I don't yeah, feel really? like it's from that movie. And honestly, if I'm being given the option of Clark trapped up in the attic watching home videos or we see the family go to the mall, send yeah. me to the mall. I, yeah. I think the alternative to the scene was something that I would have preferred to see. <laughs> and, and and it's one that like, if I had to fast forward a part of this movie, hmm. it would probably be that part. The, the, to play devil's advocate, okay. to play the John Hughes advocate of why it's in the movie, it does show you why Clark loves Christmas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he's like, this is what I'm wanting. And then the final act of her pulling the, the attic uh, the the stairs down him falling through that's pretty funny that no it's uh, good too and him yeah. stepping on the boards three times you know the the comic rule of three that was good uh, so I understand what you're saying but uh, that's why it's in the movie I would say it's the least important scene of the movie okay because I would make the argument that if you take that out then the scene with Clark and his dad hits home that much harder 
Maybe because so. you find out why he was so mm. invested in making this happen. A couple other things. Really don't like the advent calendar date on the house format as a way to show passage of time. Let's just cut. Oh, I do. I don't like you have it. So many. Do you have a, Do you have advent calendars in I, your? I do, but I don't like how it's like December seventeenth, eighteenth, twenty fourth. Like it. It. I don't know. If we were going to use the advent calendar, then let's like hmm. properly space it out a little bit more. I mean, what, also, this could be a question for later. But when did it start? I can't remember the first day it started. I believe it's the seventeenth. I think so. Then that makes no sense because they're watching the Macy's Day Parade, which is at Thanksgiving. Yeah, I'm sorry. That's fair. That's a good landmine. Thank you, Emily. Mm, well, right. I have I have one more, and then <laughs> I'll let y'all or two more actually. One uh, one of the reindeer legs clearly breaks when Rusty drops him on the lawn, and I don't think that's ever shown or brought up again. And I just thought that was funny. And then also the uh, freeze, not you them joke. I think <laughs> you I think that's the up? weakest joke in the movie. Okay. I think that, and part of that is because everything else is so great. You're right. like, ah, oh, really? Yeah. Like that's sure. The SWAT team's dumb too. Is that what yeah, yeah, like not everybody can yeah. be an idiot. I mean, <laughs> although Facebook would suggest otherwise. Uh, Mac, do you have anything for landmines? <laughs> no, not really. I mean, I don't love the attic scene just because, like, when Clark goes to the mall, like, it's so funny. So mm. it's like, oh, we like would have loved to see like other people shopping because, like, I know. Like my experience shopping for my family is very different than like what my mom's experience shopping is. And so I think it would be funny to see almost like a side by side, if you will, of the two. Hmm. Price of the dog food, because my price of the dog food for a big box thing like that is like $99 now. It was like $4.98 at Walmart. <laughs> um, but um, I guess this could be a question for like later too. But I think that's the thing. Landmines and off the wall are kind of the same for me um okay but yeah, me too that's why ask I it go for it but as someone who has cut down many a tree there's no way in hell that man clark griswold can get that big sequoia he got also where are they in chicago because that looked like they were in aspen it did not look like they were in chicago <laughs> um and like they were drifting through snow like that um but how can, if he doesn't even have a chainsaw, how can he uproot that with a station wagon? Because my family had a station wagon and it's not even like a big diesel King Ranch truck. Like there's no way that thing comes out. Well, and all right, we can do this now. I'm ready. Let's okay. talk about this scene. All right. It really doesn't make any sense at all. This is <laughs> a, a bit of farce that in retrospect, when you like actually study the movie, you're like that, what? Yeah, Th yeah. this makes zero sense. And you know, you could think, oh, maybe he had some help. Maybe he went back to the lot and they had something. But no, later Clark is talking to Eddie and he says he dug up the tree with his own two hands. So I, I have- And he never brought a shovel out there. Yeah, no, nothing. Yeah. I don't know. And when they leave, it is still daylight. There's no way that this is not a multi-hour operation deep and, into the night and he got zero help from audrey because she's frozen she is yeah. uh you got zero help from russ because he's russ yeah so okay yeah, yeah I, I agree i'm glad it's still i'm happy it's oh, I'm, I'm thrilled the scene is in the movie <laughs> uh I, it's interesting that the tree seems to really truly miraculously shrink yes. once it's in the house it does but yeah. that's okay he did take the, he took the chainsaw out to kind of you know, trim it a little bit. Sure. <laughs> Cut off half of it, I guess, would be the only way to get it in the door. Bend over and I'll show you. <laughs> Any other landmines? Don't think so. The J.J. Smith Unsung Hero Award. Which minor character steals the movie in a scene, a couple scenes? You know, somebody who's not one of the main cast. 
I think the family cat is so funny. Like, <laughs> oh, animal pick. Nice. Like, I think it's so stupid that it's almost like, like it is hilarious. And, and the, the fact that she wrapped it up and, and um, they're like, I think the box is meowing and he shakes. Yes. He shakes it. And it's like, it's just everything about it. Is, and then like the, the 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 dinner scene with the cat just all of it i think every single time that the cat is in the film it's it's one of the funniest moments to me i, I like that when it's become obvious that this is what has happened clark still feels the need to shake it really hard <laughs> <laughs> i don't even know if meow is the right word for the sound that comes oh, from the no. cat when that happens <laughs> i i think this is a great time that we can recognize the two griswold children Okay. We recognize Audrey and Russ because I think it's difficult to be a comedic straight man to Chevy Chase anytime, much less when you're a child. So you have Juliette Lewis, who's a future Quentin Tarantino favorite. She is everywhere. Right. And she's kind of faded a little bit the last few years, but from like the mid 2000s and 2010s, she was on every TV show and in every movie. Right. And she's a natural born killer, for goodness sakes. (laughs) Uh, and Johnny Galecki, as we talked about earlier, Leonard in The Big Bang Theory, where he's playing the straight man to Jim Parsons and Sheldon, which, I mean, wow. And he was also on uh, Roseanne and the Connors as well. Uh, but I think they do a great job throughout this movie being like the straight man to Chevy Chase and to Clark. That you know, Both of them have some good lines in there too, some good comedic lines, but I think they do a great job as a straight man. It's Aunt Bethany for me. She's just the glue, <laughs> the kooky, the kooky relative who has no idea what day it is, but she's just happy to be there. She's, oh, should I say hello? Hello. And then, and then oh, hello, gosh. everybody. Yes, it's great. <laughs> Which I do that at almost every family function, too. I'll, I'll go, hello, everybody. <laughs> we all know we have a relative like that. And nope. it's like, who's sitting next to her today, guys? Mm. Is Rusty still in the Navy? Yeah, May May <laughs> Questel. This is mm. her final film. She is on my list. Um, oh wow! Aunt Bethany, uh, Rusty being in the Navy. Remember that? That's an actually a reference to the previous uh, National Lampoon. Oh, vacation. I didn't know that. Yes, See? because I, I still haven't. Russ is actually much older and in the Navy in a European vacation, uh, and well, they just totally reset all the characters. That's the beauty of National Lampoon. Nobody cares about all <laughs> right, that. Yes, Let's just exactly. restart it. Oh, we have a special guest joining us. Patrick is here. No. Hello, Patrick. What is your favorite? Just kidding. Okay. <laughs> I'm sure his time will come. When is like the perfect age to show your child Christmas vacation? Not now. Lizzie and Caroline aren't watching it. <laughs> no bend, over, bend over and I'll show you. <laughs> the other two that I want to highlight, JLD, again, Julia Louis-Dreyfus. She's in like, what, five minutes of the movie? Yeah. And it's a one of the more memorable parts. So literally kind of what's happening here and she was unsung at the time that this came out so i can't even imagine watching this when it debuted and probably sitting there thinking about who is that all right uh and then keith mckechnie as the delivery boy 30 seconds no notes epic just good stuff clark w grisman (laughs) pinch hitter who would you have liked to have seen in the movie as one of the main characters or just anywhere? I put John Candy. I put John Candy. 
Boom. How long have we worked together, Tom? <laughs> he could have been the friend in the office or something. Yeah. We could have, we could have had him somewhere. Yes. I, yeah, I didn't want him to be like a main character. Yeah. I just want him to show up. He shows up at Home Alone for like two scenes and, right. and he's very memorable. Exactly. Right. Look at that. <laughs> oh, nice Michael Jackson. <laughs> um, I have two. So Steve Martin was one of mine. I think he would have been like a really funny add-in. Not a huge part, but just like having him be a smaller character in the film. But that would have been kind of hard, obviously, with like who he was having him at or is um having him as a smaller part i think and then the other one i had was ashton kutcher but like i i think he would have been funny as like maybe a friend of the kids or like something along those lines because i think he's kind like around the same would have been around the same age if not he might have been too young but i think it would have been funny to see him in there too if he was of age, we could have gotten a fun boyfriend scene with right. Juliette Lewis. That would have been pretty good. I can't even imagine what Aunt Bethany would say to some boy who just walked up. <laughs> Cousin Eddie would. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, well, it would have been cool if like Christopher Columbus did do it. And then you had like a Macaulay Culkin tie over and like uh, as a Kevin McAllister, maybe they were neighbors or something. And there was some run in with the McAllisters and the Griswolds. Oh, they both they both have families that are apparently extremely well off. Yeah, some of yeah. great in Chicago, and they're both in Chicago, in Chicago. right? Yes, so. with with just unbelievable jobs. I hadn't actually thought about the possible shared universe of Christmas Vacation and Home Alone. So maybe it is the polka king of Sheboygan who <laughs> does show up. <laughs> Maybe John Candy. I we could have. This could all happen. We can remake this right now. <laughs> Let's go. We're gonna be millionaires. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, we're putting in a pool. Mm-hmm. Okay, <laughs> buckle up, America. It is time for the I'm on it quote of the movie award. <laughs> Mac, you get first go around. I'm making Tom go last so he doesn't take everybody's quotes. Okay, I have four. Okay. So obviously my first one is the Merry Christmas, kiss my ass, kiss his ass, happy Hanukkah. <laughs> um, the next one is from Clark. It's, hey kids, look, a deer. <laughs> <laughs> and then the next one's from Audrey. And I kind of related to this one a little bit, but it was when she said, would it be indecent to ask the grandparents to stay at a hotel? <laughs> Says it very loudly. <laughs> Oh, I, then, I, I have nightmares about what he does in this bed by himself. <laughs> <laughs> and then the fourth one is, um, if that thing had nine lives, she, she just spent them all. <laughs> yes. That's good. I have questions about the size of the bed that Audrey and Russ are sharing. That thing is like smaller than a twin. Mm. And, you know, considering how the Griswolds <clears throat> home is decorated i would have figured that they would have been more prepared for children to grow up but who knows hmm. well first of all why is the carpet wet on todd i don't know margo that's one then it's a real butte clark i actually wrote that on west hart's um instagram when he posted it i do it to murph i do it to west hart all the time they put pictures of their field um so that's very relevant um little fault a lot of sap that's a great one. You actually have a real tree. You always come away sticky. Um, and one of my favorite ones 
uh, is shitters full. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Have you checked our shitters, honey? <laughs> have you checked our? <laughs> Just an asshole in, in a bathrobe. <laughs> Wait, the last one. The last one is when he goes up to Clark goes up to his dad and he's like, "You taught me everything I need to know about exterior illumination." <laughs> 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 what a dumb compliment yes. to make <laughs> okay i'm not gonna read all mine because i know tom scott sent me wants to get to bend over and i'll show you we've mentioned it just incredible it's a bit talking, nipply out i wasn't talking to you <laughs> it's a bit nipply out i use that all the time mm -hmm. after i first saw this at this point, I can't even see the nuts. They must have blown away from the TV commentary. It's so stupid. So good. <laughs> it's Christmas and we're all in misery. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. He worked really hard, Grandma. So, so do washing machines. <laughs> One that Tom and I have said multiple times on the air. Yes. If I woke up tomorrow with my head sewn into the carpet, I wouldn't be more surprised than I am right now. I, we will say it at least five times every semester, every, every every season. Next time there's a pinch hit grand slam, you know what my analysis will be. <laughs> it's great, it's great, it's great, I'm dead. That is during the sledding. I didn't even know that was what he was saying until I turned on the closed captioning. And Clark is saying, it's great, it's great, it's great, I'm dead. <laughs> as he zooms by. Oh, wow. Which is funny mm -hmm. uh grace she passed away 30 years ago you serious clark beautiful mm -hmm. hallelujah holy shit where's Where the, the tylenol, tylenol? <laughs> uh, and uh finally a little a little beautiful just dig from the boss man it's people that make the difference <laughs> little little people, people like, you. like you okay tom what did we not get to like <laughs> take it russ Again, just like a perfect window into this family. Oh. <laughs> Five seconds in. <laughs> Mary, that's my name. Can't see the can't see the line, can you, Russ? No. <laughs> Nicolette <laughs> Scorsese, the yes. actress. No relation to Martin. I was gonna say, <laughs> fun fact, zero relation to the movie making Scorsese's and had like two other uh, credits on IMDB. Nothing else. I love the relatives page on her IMDb that says relatives, Martin Scorsese, parentheses, not a relative. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 I, the little lights aren't twinkling. I know, Art. Thanks for noticing. <laughs> He's such a jerk, that guy. <laughs> just, just the worst. Awful. Every time Catherine revved up the microwave, I'd piss myself and forget who I was for 30 minutes or so. <laughs> Talking about why I had to change the metal plate in his head. Another part of the scene when he's getting the dog food, uh, talking about uh, sending his money to the uh, to the television preacher. Uh, what about the kids? His kids can fend for themselves. No, your kids. <laughs> <laughs> it's people that make the difference. Little people like you, Carl. And I like that he calls him <laughs> Carl. And, and he looks around. Oh, oh, yes, me. Yes, whatever you got last year, add 20%. And then from the uh, from the SWAT team commander, the police officer, uh, when, when he finds out what has happened, he's like, that's pretty low, mister. If I had a rubber hose, I'd beat you. <laughs> <laughs> I changed my mind. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, One other that I thought you would get to. Worse? How can they get worse? Take a look around you, Ellen. We're at the threshold of hell. <laughs> yes. Yes. 
just tremendous. Another one we might have considered using on the air a couple years ago. There's a couple. Not of, recently. Right, yeah. Uh, Tom's like, what can I think of that we haven't they, said? You, you, you took a couple of them, but yeah, those are, those are pretty much it. Okay. Uh, oh my gosh. Such, so good stuff. I'm out of breath after doing that <laughs> threshold of hell. Meme generator, the best meme from the movie. I don't really have an answer for this. I just put basically everything Cousin Eddie does. Cousin Eddie in the bathrobe dumping the chemical toilet. Yeah. I think is, is the best meme. Yeah. Uh, Audrey Frozen is a good one. <laughs> out there. You know a little bit about that, fun. you Buffaloian and whatnot. Yeah, I do. I know how it feels. Have your eyelids frozen. Yeah. Good one. It's all it's all part of the experience. Yes, that's right. Go Bills. <laughs> Mac. Um, mine's just when Eddie's dumping out the and he's like, Shitter's fault. That's the funniest cigar part. and the beer, right? Yeah, <laughs> like all of it. And then the other one is it's um when Uncle Lewis is smoking the cigar in the house and it like lights the tree on fire. That yes. to me is hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> another great line is can I, can I get you anything eddie something to eat refill your eggnog drive you out in the middle of nowhere leave you for dead yes <laughs> tom thought about using that on the air as well switch out a couple names the transfer portal award different movie you'd love to see the main character in spinoff ideas anything like that uh we we i'm we needed like a spinoff for uncle eddie like call it uncle eddie's adventures or there cousin is, Eddie. There is a cousin Eddie sequel, a, a direct to uh, it's a direct to video. Yeah, I believe it was like an NBC yeah movie. It's, it's not it's not what we what? wanted it to be. No. Yeah. Well, and they did it in like 2014. So you're talking like yeah. something in the. It end. wasn't the same guy either, was it? No, it was Randy Quaid. Yeah, just like nobody else. What? <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, I never even knew that. That's how bad it was. Yeah, it's that. Yeah, I wish it didn't exist. Oh, it was certainly a thing that happened. Okay. All right. Well, they did it poorly. But if they wanted to do that in like yeah. 91, I would have been sure, in. Sure. Absolutely. It would have been great. Yeah. Did y'all see like Mar the Mary Poppins Returns? Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. So the same idea where the kids become the parents and now they host their own Christmas vacation. And then you bring in like Chevy Chase and the other characters as cameos instead. The like they did with Dick Van Dyke. Oh. But you like want. Galecki and Juliet Lewis, right? Yeah, like yeah. they they are now the parents. Yeah, like and it's their own. That would be good. Christmas yeah. vacation. They bring they they then all come together to a house, and it, it can be either one of their houses. But I mean, like everybody's still in it, but just it's now set forward however yeah. many years. I like I'm, that. I'm in. I'm in on that. Yeah, and it's like kind of what they tried to do with the 2017 revival ish you know with ed helms as rusty but mm -hmm. it, i think i like the idea of keeping the original people okay. and you need a sharper script that 2017 vacation movie is like one and a half stars out yeah. of five yeah. it's not great mm -hmm. <laughs> i i would like a uh, a movie about the mall <clears throat> i want to know what all is going on at the mall I, I, mary can be the main character how, mm -hmm. how is she interacting tom with... they made that it's called paul blart mall cop <laughs> 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 I don't remember Nicolette Scorsese being in that one. Uh, like, is she showing everybody her underwear? Was it a special uh, situation with Clark? What's going on there? I want to know what's happening. You know, we all have those questions. <laughs> what I want is a another tight 
85 minute, 90 minute movie that takes place six days later when for New Aunt Bethany and Uncle Lewis host everybody at their house for New Year's. Oh. That's what I want. That's my vision. That's my dream. What? Think about <laughs> New Year's. Wrapped up jello molds for everyone as a parting gift. Oh, yes. Everybody's eating like out of ashtrays because she thought right. those were plates and stuff. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Or how about a uh, the you know the christening of the pool? Mm. Oh, yeah. Yep, 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 yep. Fourth of July. Yeah, Fourth of July christening of the pool. Yeah. I can't. I can't swim, Clark. I know, Eddie. I know. That's I know. why I'm getting a pool. <laughs> <laughs> but somehow, even in his fantasy, though, Eddie's there. Like, if I'm having a fantasy, Eddie's not in the fantasy. No. I'm pushing Clark, him yeah. out of the yard. <laughs> Off the wall, things we still have questions about. Who wants to go first? I've got like seven here, seven or eight. I'll go. All right, Tom. Uh, we already talked about the tree getting out of the ground. Yeah. Uh, so we can see if that one. Uh, what is Clark's job specifically? Like, oh, I saw this. Okay. He uh, he writes something about food. It was yeah. He I can't remember what it was. He created that food additive on that they put on cornflakes that where the water the milk doesn't saturate the the cornflake that's what he's talking about at the uh that's what he has to write yeah. the report about that the the boss is giving at the trade commission at the trade convention but like he's really well compensated for that job yeah like it, it's he's a big wig like he it's it's amazing like he's so high up on the on the totem pole at the job but he doesn't seem like it no so and he clearly needs to be smart to accomplish this job because right. the science of that has to be tricky yeah I don't understand how he's so dumb. But he also doesn't look like he's in a lab. Right. Yeah. He, he looks like he should be in advertising, but he's not in advertising. No. Did we slightly overreact to a squirrel being in the house? Absolutely. <laughs> right. <laughs> we we have lost our mind about this squirrel. It's a squirrel, guys. Let's, it's a squirrel. Yeah. Let's come back. Um, and then who is cleaning up everything? I had the same thing. Who is cleaning who? up? Who is how cleaning long up? does it take to right. repair the home? Because that's one of the uh, there's some you know bloopers or uh, that like after Snots has destroyed the the dining room they walk past the dining room and it's fine like there's um, a, yeah it's a couple of those movie mistakes in there but a lot of the damage happens and then we just kind of ignore that it's happening. One of mine was like who replaces the windows? The windows are always broken and if you're in Chicago and it's cold it's going to be drafty and yet- yeah. It doesn't seem like there's a broken window. Oh, and, they can't sleep at this house no. on Christmas Eve. Like they need to go somewhere or they will freeze. And, and who and who repairs Todd's and Margot's stuff? Like, are they able to prove that it was the Griswolds that destroyed their stereos? Probably not. Made their carpet all wet. Todd. <laughs> Replacing the window. Um, how come no one ever heard that clunky RV come in the driveway? when they parked and all of a sudden he shows up. Nobody ever heard him come there. And then, you know, the sledding hill, if it's good powder, you don't grease a metal thing like that. You don't, you just don't do it. And so that didn't make sense to me. Um, I didn't like that because it wasn't true. (laughs) I'm also confused about when you look down the hill, I don't see Walmart. (laughs) <laughs> and then like all the children have clearly been watching him do this entire thing yeah. where in relation uh-huh. to where he started is the walmart and why an entire forest. yeah right and everybody's like oh yeah. oh 
let's say bingo immediately when he crashes into the thing as if we can see it no no way where did cousin eddie get the the prisoner chains from that he ties the boss up in like to me that was (laughs) really really odd to like randomly have well if you hear what he tells Catherine to go get when they get when they tell him that the kids can go sleep in the house i'm not surprised that he has (laughs) oh no because because he says very different bend over and i'll show you right because he says you know go get the rubber sheets the gerbils so yeah that's where i assume he has those chains from could we have used a kidnapping scene would the movie have been better or worse if we got two minutes of Cousin Eddie actually carrying kidnapping. out the kidnapping? I think it would have been, it could have been better. It could have been better than the attic scene. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's fair. I think there's a, a piece of it, though, that is funny that it's just like he shows up with them. Like, you don't expect it. And then it's just like out of nowhere. You're like, where the... With the bow. With the bow, because that's what yeah. Mark asked for. Yeah. So I, you know... Say what you want. Cousin Eddie delivers. Okay, he gets Are you results. ready to do some kissing? <laughs> My questions. Why weren't the children buckled in the car when they go through the snowbank and soar through the air? They both end up in the front seat. Come on, guys. Click it or ticket. Buckle up for um, safety. Buckle it's the, up. 80s. No, no, it's no. the 80s. We didn't, no, we didn't, we no. didn't do that. Yeah, Gray, you're too young to know this. Like, my sister's car seat was literally like a Tupperware container that you strapped in. Yeah. Like, I will show pictures. I will show you pictures later. Like, the yeah. 80s, we you right. didn't have to buckle. Okay. Well, it stuck out to me now. Okay. Here's the research. <laughs> that would be more of a landmine, I think. Than a okay, that's fair. That's fair. 25,000 lights. How much did that cost? Per some research... It would have cost Clark today or today or then. Uh, I it didn't say. So it just said today like today. Yeah. I, so I assume today. I don't know. Three thousand six hundred ninety nine dollars and eighty five cents to run it for five hours over thirty one days. So you can do the math on what that week would have been. I don't know how much lights would have cost themselves then. Bottom line, this is not a cheap exploit no. for no. Clark. No, but he and he, he didn't have. We know he didn't have $7,800 in the bank because that's how much the down payment was for the pool, which he didn't have enough to cover unless he got the, the yeah. bonus check. Yeah, he could have really helped himself yeah. by just <laughs> putting out like an inflatable Santa. Right, yes. It would have been fine. There were no inflatables in the 80s, Gray. We weren't, no. Gosh, okay. We, we had, we've had the discussion on what the Halloween costumes were in the 80s. Yes, we have. It's, it's very you're similar. not struggling to breathe and doing it wrong. <laughs> right. Overall, I the timing of the attic scene, I'm not really quite sure. I guess my question is, why was the family so quick to get ready to go to the mall? Because Clark looks like he's trying to be quiet as if everybody's asleep. Yeah. And then literally 30 seconds later, Francis shuts the door and then they're all going out to the car. Mm -hmm. Clark wouldn't have been ready anyway. So they they already had another 20 minutes until they left. I'm not quite sure what he had to eat to take his back pill. (laughs) <laughs> they have no bread or anything i just pop in some oatmeal just, and boom i can talk on the air just the worst yes that guy, that guy what do we think the gift is for frank shirley everybody gets him the same thing or at least wrapping wise what do we think that is oh yeah the two boxes um i don't know brian and i talked about it the other day maybe maybe a cigar hmm. i don't know 
It kind of looks, the little one looks like a watch box. I kind of thought that like too. a watch or like maybe, maybe a cigar and like a bourbon, uh, like tumbler, like flask. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Maybe a tie. I don't even know what you would get for your boss right, yes. like that. I don't know. Maybe they're all fruitcake. <laughs> Could be. No wonder Frank Shirley doesn't want any part of it. <laughs> a lot. What happens on Christmas Day? They Is drink. it just cleaning? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and finally, do Todd and Margot get divorced? I don't know if they're married. It says it says that they are married. Okay. Online. The, yeah. I do have a question. Why did why do Todd and Margot live in the suburbs? They're city people. Mm. City folk. And they live in a very Victorian, like not Victorian, Georgian house with very like 1980s decor. Yeah, very modern. Work. Yeah. I mean, there's a chance they don't come back from this. Yeah. <laughs> after he after he fell down the stairs, maybe he has amnesia and forgot who this woman is and why he's with her. I mean, she clocked him. Yes. Punches him in the face. They're definitely at least going to counsel. <laughs> this is not like an immediate everything is fine. Right. Scenario. And, and their house is in ruins because the SWAT team busts down their door. <laughs> For no reason. No like, reason. There's no, there's no At reason. all. <laughs> oh, man. Any other off the walls before we get to the final category? Wait a minute. There was when, when the boss's wife, Mrs. Shirley, called mm. the police. She said it was like a big burly man. Like, how did they know whose house to go to? Yeah, an RV with Kansas yes. plates. Maybe they somebody had seen that maybe, RV. And maybe, they, maybe they. But they're like, was there a helicopter? Yes, there was. Wasn't there? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it's quite the show of force in a very quick amount of time. Yeah, it is. Well, very, a, Mr. Shirley's a powerful man. Powerful man, sure. And how did and how did uh, cousin Eddie know which house to go to to get Mr. Shirley? He no, uh, he said he said on something something lane. Yeah, he said he said on on the lane, but he didn't say like number four eight two five. Maybe it's like Mountain Brook where their na- the people's names maybe, are on the mailbox. Maybe that's maybe that's maybe your, that's, your family has some, don't they? Did Eddie go into every house on the street? <laughs> yeah, maybe. so maybe we really maybe we really do need a scene of Eddie kidnapping him. Yeah. Just how how did how do we how do you find him? We just like a quick two minutes. Right. We yeah. can knock that out. Could be. Could be. The final category. The McKinley Crone, Riley Mattingly, Parker, Raina Reyes, Felicia Knox Award for MVP of the movie. I mean, we have to start with McKinley Crone. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's a cliche answer, but I think Clark is just because he puts up with everything that goes on. And also, it's, he's so like my mom in that sense. Like, my mom would so take in every single person and just be like, yeah, we're going to have a great big Christmas. Like, y'all haven't met my mom but like emily you know that that would so be my mom it's just for reference my mom passes out lollipops at soccer games to keep everybody's Everyone. mouth shut from yelling at the ref so like <laughs> it's she's so clark and it's so great and i love every bit of it and i'm so not that's what's funny and like nobody else in my family is but um it's it's i think he's the best because like she makes our christmas happen every year um like she does so much for us. So it's kind of like I see a lot of her 
or him in her. And so to me, that's the MVP. Cause like Christmas doesn't happen without her in my house. So. That's a very strong answer and a like compelling it. case. Yes. Okay. I think this is a tale of two movies. Ooh. Cause basically before Eddie gets there and then after Eddie is there. So you have the Griswold portion and then the Eddie in the Griswold portions. And cause Eddie gets there about halfway through the movie. And I think it does a great job of not oversaturating us with the characters, because I think if we'd gotten a whole lot more of Eddie or a whole lot more of Clark, it might've been too much. Mm-hmm. It kind of kept everything at the right amount. So because of that, I'm going to say Randy Quaid, cousin Eddie, the MVP of the movie. You could argue he has stuck around the longest of any of the characters. Oh, like yeah. a wide margin. And I don't disagree. Also, I didn't realize until I was doing research, Randy Quaid, Oscar nominee. <laughs> Really? He's been nominated for an Oscar in 75. I can't remember the name of the movie. Wow. He also saved the world at Independence Day. Hey, you know what? Cousin Eddie has... We owe him, we owe him for so, so many things. Yes. I had Eddie um, just for the fact that Christmas was absolutely ruined until he decided that the only way he could show his cousin-in-law how thankful he is for him and what he was doing for his family was to go to the one thing that was said in jest by Clark. And he was like, there was no second guessing that man sprung into action. Um, and maybe she's an unsung hero, but also like Ellen, like flipped on the light switch. She figured that out. She said, everyone's welcome. It's kind of like a little bit like Clark and the fact that she, I think Clark embodies more of the Christmas spirit, but Ellen is the one making sure that things happen. <laughs> like, it was like, fine, we'll just deal with all this crap. You know, we're all in misery. Yes. We're all in misery. We'll make it work. And that's like, I think for Christmas to really happen, you you do have a a dreamer type of person. Like I am 100% the dreamer in my family. And I'm like, I'm dancing around the house with Nutcracker. And like, one makes things so great. And then Brian's a pragmatic, like make sure things move along. And like, <laughs> I, think that, I think Clark and Ellen are a great partnership to actually yeah. capture the spirit of Christmas. Yeah, the, that scene of them in in the bed, and he's and she says that you have you idealize holidays, and he's like, when have I ever done that? And she starts naming off all the holidays, <laughs> and all the, all the <laughs> Christmas, Thanksgiving, weddings, funerals. Very important scene <laughs> yes. in the movie to show that dynamic, and that's why Beverly D'Angelo is my pick as Ellen. Oh, yes. Uh, I, I think you can make a really compelling case for Julia Louis-Dreyfus. I'm not kidding. Like, consider the part, consider how memorable Margot is, consider what it did for her career and what it did for her at the time. Like, there's a legitimate case that JLD is the MVP of Christmas Vacation as a major side character. Right. Uh, obviously, Randy Quaid is on my list. Chevy Chase is on my list. But I think Beverly D'Angelo is doing some of the best like actual acting, especially when you hear about what happened on set and how she was the the Chevy Chase whisperer, mm-hmm. the importance of that role. And then just the way that she is able to kind of bring everybody together in a, a little bit of a way. I, I think that Beverly D'Angelo also delivers secretly like a ton of funny lines that are the ones that you go back to years later. Not necessarily the ones that are laugh out loud, you know, the first time you watch it, but the Ellen lines stick with you. Yeah. So Beverly D'Angelo, so that she can get the proper amount of love, is my MVP of the movie. She, the scene where she's looking for, finds the cigarette, 
lights it up, and then her her mom within two seconds. Her, Ellen, are you smoking? No. <laughs> the head of lettuce. And I think all of us can relate to, even if you're not a smoker, it's not necessarily smoking, but if you can relate to, you know, just being frazzled and then thinking you found something that's going to keep you from being frazzled. And now all of a sudden, you're called on it. Yeah, you're called on it within two seconds. It's uh, so frustrating. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> that's all of it. That's National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. When was the last time I overdid anything? <laughs> the, Come on, Russ. this podcast. Um, <laughs> Before we sign off the rec center, something to recommend to the general public, something that you've watched lately it can be a TV show, a movie. I already did all my movie talk earlier. So I've got a TV show at the ready, but we will start with McKinley Crown. Okay. I didn't know what to put here. So I have four things. I'll make them quick. Do it. Um, the this is not like super new but the new grinch movie with benedict cumberbatch as the grinch is so funny love it it's like modernized and they make a lot of pop culture references um the crown i'm on season five i'm obsessed with it it's so good um black panther 2 was incredible i'm a big marvel fan um I cried like four times in the movie. Sam. Hmm. I only cried once in Endgame, just for reference. So it really? was. Did, did, yeah, you I, shut, did you shut down the theater when you went and saw it, like Gray and I have done several times? At I, I actually saw Endgame <laughs> at the premiere, which was cool. Wow. I did too the first time I went. The second time I went with uh, Tom Canterbury, and we almost died. Yeah. Tornado hit. <laughs> tornado hit thing? less than a mile away from us while we were in the theater. <laughs> Fun fact, yeah. I accidentally um, spoiled Endgame a year and a half I've after. Seen it. Oh, all right. I won't say what happens, but I spoiled it for Riley um, about a month into getting to know her. Like, I did not know who, I didn't know Riley. I just transferred here. Endgame had been out for like a year and a half at this point. Okay. Like, That's if you haven't, if you, if you yeah. claim to be a Marvel fan, you should have seen the movie. Yeah. And I said a spoiler. And she lost it, like the spoiler. And thinking she, because she claimed to be a Marvel fan, she would know right. about that part, and she didn't. And I spoiled Endgame for Riley Parker and yeah. John. A, a year and a half later, yeah. though. That's, I mean, that's, that's what I'm that's, saying. That's that, not on you. I know. That's not right. on We made fun of Tom for being late when it came out, and that was what, a month? A month. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. And then my fourth one is um Alabama wins soccer. So kind of a, <laughs> had to push us a little bit. <laughs> like it. Might I recommend I'll be watching them now. Alabama Duke on ESPN Plus <laughs> in the archives. What a freaking game that was. Mm, goodness. Oh man. Fantastic recommendations. Emily, do you have any time to watch stuff with your yeah, children? Before I go to bed, I watch everything. Uh the crown is amazing, Mac. Love it. I watch it with my 94-year-old grandmother who we do call the queen. And it's just <laughs> phenomenal. And then I watch Harry and Meghan. I'm thoroughly enthralled with that. Um, so Tom, this is your time to do your Parks and Rec quote. <laughs> <laughs> History started in 1776. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, I am watching Wednesday right now. I just started it. I love it. Um I will be watching Emily in Paris season 
three pretty soon. One thing that Brian and I watch religiously, and we've done it for like eight years, is the Curse of Oak Island on the History Channel. Mm. Are you guys familiar? I've seen a little bit. Okay, so we are 100% Oak Islanders because y'all there's been nothing happened for years and years and years and years and years. And they, this guy, they're, the, the brothers are like millionaires. So they've invested really good money in this and have all the right equipment, sonar, like LIDAR, like everything. They have scanners to like check these um, things, they, artifacts they get up. They have three archaeologists on a team. And this season, they're actually like truly making headway where they're going down where they think that things like religious artifacts, such as like the Ark of the Covenant could be buried in um, Nova Scotia, like all these cool things. And it's, if you like history and if you like a little bit of intrigue, it's a really good thing to watch. Tuesday nights, it's on. I've seen a little bit of it. Not a religious watcher, but maybe I will be. I don't know. You can you can pick up in this current season because they will reference things they've done in the past and how they got there and all that kind of stuff. So if you need a good watch on a Tuesday night or just stream it, like it'll fill some time for you. That sounds it'll like also a... put you like every third episode you will fall asleep watching it. <laughs> That's a brilliant, I'm making a game board and I need something on the TV show. I'm going to, I'm going to make that happen. My pick is White Lotus season two. I I haven't watched it at all. Oh my gosh. Season two is so good. Season one's awesome. Season two is like another level. And my girl, Aubrey Plaza, speaking of Parks and Rec, doing the things. (laughs) She's killing it. Uh, You've got Michael Imperioli from basically all the mob stuff. Our girl Jennifer Coolidge is back, making no yeah. sense. Haley Lou Richardson, but somebody that I didn't even know existed. Uh, Megan Fahey gives the performance of the show, and there is a 30-second speech in the finale that she gives that is among some of the best acting I've ever seen. Conveys 25 emotions in one glance out to the sea. It, it's as heartbreaking as it comes and then as just as beautiful a window into a character as any actors ever created so white lotus season two watch it the mystery is also really good and the show is really funny so i highly recommend it tom you're the last one okay um for the marvel fans the christmas special from guardians of the galaxy Mm -hmm. on disney plus hilarious great stuff really really funny uh it's like 45 minutes long uh definitely check it out there's actually a couple of marvel cinematic universe plot points that are like forwarded in the thing too so you'll probably need to watch it if you're one of those people uh which i am so check that one out on netflix there's a couple uh one uh if you haven't ever watched it the floor is lava is so fun (laughs) I, I I love the floor is lava. It is, and they they put out season three, and they put like two volumes of it. Yeah. Uh, so if you haven't watched those, those are fun, and, and they made it a little bit. Um, it's a little bit tougher now than it was in the first couple of seasons. Uh, but still, floor is lava. So so fun. Thoroughly enjoyed that. Uh, my wife is watching The Crown right now. I'm not, but she she is all about it. Yeah. Um, so but, good. I'm on the awesome. same boat with The Crown. I haven't yeah. seen any of it. Yeah. So I think I'm just waiting. Oh, they've gotten such good actresses to yeah. be in different stages of her life. And it's so spot on. Season yeah. five is played by, I, I don't know her name. The woman from Harry Potter. Potter. Dolores yes. Umbridge. Yes, it oh, yeah. is played. she's played by Dolores Umbridge. And I was watching, I started the 
the season five yesterday and I watched the first episode and I was watching it and I was like, I'm supposed to hate this woman. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just keep watching. You'll hate. I like there. I do not like the queen in this one. Really? Um, and the other one is uh, Outlander. If no one is, if you haven't watched that mm-hmm. one yet, it's, it's, it's really good. The ladies seem to enjoy Jamie. Uh, so, you know, there's, there's that. Wait, Gray, have you ever told people to watch Mayor of Easttown? Not on this podcast. Okay, watch Mayor of Easttown, everyone. Yeah, it, honestly, it might be like a yearly rewatch for me. I know. It's yeah. just so dang good. I've recommended it before too, but House of Dragon is just yeah. tremendous. I'm like, I'm I'm watching it again, which I rarely do. Like, go back and watch mm. watch a movie. I watch a. I do have a question for you guys, real quick. Go for I it. I am not a Marvel watcher. I have watched Black Panther and Captain America. I think that's it. Okay. Do I need to watch them in order? Like, which order do you watch it in? I've heard conflicting so, reports. Do you have Disney Plus? Yeah. It There's two ways you can do it. You can do it in chrono- chronological or phase. And I like doing it in chronological because then they, like, they make sense. And so Disney Plus puts together a, a like, here's how you watch it in chronological order. And you just have to click through each movie. And then but there's that's better, that's better than watching you like chrono and not phase. Yeah, because like they kind of come out like all over the place if you watch it by phase instead of like they make everything lines up in the Marvel universe from like the very first movie all the way through Endgame. Yeah. Got it. Wait, there's also this thing coming out on Netflix. Did y'all see that there's like four episodes? So it's kind of like a choose your own adventure book, but a movie. And you can watch and there's you can watch any episode first, but the story will be different based on how you watch it. I Ooh. like that. Should all of us watch it a different way? Like yes. Notes, <laughs> hop on a pod. Yeah. Talk about it. I mean, it's- we have given like everybody is set. Yeah. Yeah, until the racks. new year, until we start talking about softball. Yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> we've got to hey. If you're leaving this podcast wondering what should I watch next, then you have not been listening. <laughs> and it should all start with Christmas Vacation, the movie that brought us all here together. What a superb podcast this was. Emily P. Tech Clifford, the joy correspondent on the pod. We'll see you in a couple months for the premiere. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. And our guest of honor, the MVP award named after her, McKinley Crown. Mac, what's next for you before we before we sign off? What's next? Yeah, so I've entered the professional draft, and um, which is on January twelfth. So I'm just waiting to hopefully hear my name called that day. Um, but if not, just continuing to um, look for opportunities to be able to play, whether that's in the states or overseas. Love it. It's gonna happen. We can't wait to see it happen. I'll get a jersey. Tom will get a jersey. Emily will get a jersey. We're all in. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. This was a, a total blast. Thank y'all for having me. For my partner, Tom Canterbury, I'm Gray Robertson. This has been National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation on Out of the Box Office. We will probably not have another pod until the season five premiere because we need a break. Yeah. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Happy Thank New you. Year. Happy New Year. Everything. Hallelujah. I'm not going to finish it. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.